Hello, and welcome to PDA, Neurodivergence, and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and others to speak out on this condition, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic. Thank you all for being patient with me. COVID was uh, not kind to my voice, as you could hear before. I'm still kind of, uh, you know, at times a little gravelly, maybe a little hoarse, but I feel like I'm okay enough to tackle this topic and go ahead and get this episode out for you all. So I wanted to talk in this episode about unschooling, right? We've all heard the terms like homeschool and unschool tossed around um, in like PDA groups and the books and the articles and all the different things written about PDA. The thing is, we all understand homeschooling fairly well, right? It's a concept that's fairly familiar. You have the same basic curriculum and benchmarks as traditional public school education, just more done in a home environment. Uh, But the idea of unschooling is a bit more elusive. And so what is it? How does it work? I'm a curious person by nature. So when so many of the PDA professionals and PDAers themselves and PDA parents talking about this system of learning being far more effective for PDA kiddos, it made me want to learn more, right? And so I did some research and I'm here to share what I've found with all of you. Now, just like with anything else, obviously, my research was not uh, the end all be all. There are a lot of resources out there for unschooling. I did um, put in the description for this episode links to a few different things that I came across, but they are by no means all. There are so many um, articles and websites and things out there. I just kind of threw a few of them in there, but a quick Google search on unschooling will turn up loads of different things. And if you go to YouTube as well, there are a bunch of different uh, people who have... Uh, channels about unschooling um, and, you know, different types of homeschooling as well. So there's a lot out there. Um, I just kind of condensed what I found and had to restrain myself to stop going down other rabbit holes because I had to rein in the research. Um, But anyhow, the idea of unschooling is essentially letting children kind of direct their own learning by pursuing their own areas of interest with parents acting as, you know, sort of uh, supplying resources, buying books, um, getting access to certain websites. Um, The parents aren't necessarily overseeing. They're more helping in the process, right? Um, The term itself emerged apparently back in the 70s, 
popularized by um, an author and a, a teacher as well, an educator named John Holt, right? He had worked as a teacher in the conventional brick-and-mortar school setting for years, and he started to notice that what was motivating his students to learn wasn't a love of learning. It was achieving the grade that they were supposed to do. Um, it was fear of failure. It was getting the, the high grade on the test or making the scores and the grades that they needed in order to get into the right college. It was the pressure to succeed from their parents. None of what was pushing these kids to learn this material was a love of learning. You know, they were just sort of being forced on pre-created uh, paths that were uniform for everyone. And he saw a lot of a, a big difference between, like, the natural creativity in young children and, like, preschool-age children whenever they're just sort of absorbing the world around them and finding, you know, going into things that interest them. And he noticed that as students got older, that that excitement for learning, that curiosity, really just sort of tapered off, right? As children got older, um, got into uh, middle school and, and high school, um, and to some extent elementary school too, it just, that that excitement began to go away because they were just sort of, instead of pursuing their own interests, kind of forced to check boxes, right? And so he started, you know, writing and um, talking about this idea of unschooling and said, you know, maybe we need to re-examine what schools are doing and how we are, you know, creating education, right? So... The idea is, like, with self-directed learning, the shift goes to where the child is the one sort of steering the ship. They are looking into the things that interest them. And even though their interests may be more in things like animals and not math, well, there are certain elements of all subjects that kind of fall into these different areas. So you can find ways to, like, a lot of the stuff that I, I read was like, if you look, the learning is there. If you look, the lessons are there. It's just an issue of getting past that idea that subjects are very separate, right? And so you have this... Um, the parents take a more supportive role. And it is one of those things like unschooling from everything that I saw. It's not a passive thing for parents. Just because this is a child sort of directed, self-directed idea of learning, that doesn't mean that the kids take off and explore their interests and the parents just sort of sit back. Parents are still extremely involved in this whole process. They're there almost as partners, as support staff. They're there to help bring in the resources to help direct the, the child to who's interested in this. Okay, well, here are some places that you can look. Here, you know, I can drive you to the library. We can go to the museum. So the parents are still very much involved. So it's not a passive thing. 
for parents. Um, and then the children sort of take the lead and explore these subjects and these topics and things that interest them. Um, and, you know, they begin to absorb learning and learning, learning becomes this sort of organic thing that they really um, have more of a passion for than things that are just sort of being shoved at them, right? So, Let's break down the pros and cons, right, because that's generally how people make decisions about this kind of thing. I read some articles. I read some studies. I read testimonials. I looked at videos and, you know, things from people who, you know, go, you know, have degrees in education and have sort of analyzed this, uh, people who were parents who taught, uh, who unschooled their children, people who were unschoolers, who that was how they received their education. I tried to get a full range of the spectrum there. And what I found, there was a really interesting study by this Boston College professor, Peter Gray. And he basically had this survey that he had a whole bunch of adult unschoolers fill out, um, people who had gone through the the unschooling process and it showed that like 83% of those who participated in his survey had gone on to like complete some form of higher education and i think that's one of the things that a lot of people sometimes have that idea about homeschooling or unschooling um that can give them pause because they worry about how that will impact their child's ability to go on to college if that's the path they choose. Um, But apparently that's really just not a problem in the unschooling world. Some of the people surveyed um, even attended like Ivy League schools too. So it's not like these, you know, the people who were going through these unschooling programs went to some small, obscure um, school somewhere. It was, I mean, it ranged from vocational schools, technical schools, colleges, universities, even up to, like I said, some of them attended the Ivies. So there was really no hindrance at all on their education because they were unschooled. Both this, that one, and another study that was done on like homeschool and unschooled adults showed that um, they had really high levels of people going into the STEM fields, higher even than like traditional public schools did. So that was something that I thought was really interesting because another kind of element that is disparaging regarding homeschooling and unschooling is this idea that somehow... um, you're lacking in, say, like math and science. Um, But that's really, you have people going into these specific STEM fields, so clearly that's not the issue there. Um, There are, of course, going to be definite pluses to unschooling a PDAer because it's going to play to their strengths, right? Learning being organic and based on their interests and not demands administered externally, right? is going to be a better fit for a PDA or you're going to get less resistance. Um, If I've noticed anything about my own learning as well, it's like, even for me, and I'm not, you know, neurodivergent at all, um, that when I have to learn about something that I like, I'm more likely to devote extra time or extra attention to it, right? And so, you know, with kids... 
very often there are certain things where they're like, I don't want to learn about that. It's boring, right? It doesn't interest me. Um, and learning becomes a chore. Whereas when you're dealing with unschooling and this, you know, allowing these kids to pursue their interests, um, it creates that different perspective on learning. And so, I mean, you have kids devoting a lot of extra time to it. And it's like speaking of time, too, you have the added benefit of there not being those time restraints when you're doing unschooling, right? So all those structured time limits in the classroom to finish the work um, in 30, 45 minutes, whatever, all that kind of stuff that stresses my little guy out to no end, that stuff disappears, right? You just, you get it, you go through it at your own pace. Unschooled kids learning at their own pace um, and not feeling pressured to achieve a certain goal in a certain amount of time um, one, it alleviates the stress, but two, if they don't, they don't have that feeling of failure if they don't make it within a speci uh, specified uh, amount of time, right? So you have a few advantages there over that sort of preconceived uh, time limit, uh, box checking, uh, standard education practice. Something else that came up across the literature and studies was the fact that unschoolers tended to have a better idea of who they are um, as, like, people, right? Because these kids were pursuing their interests um, instead of having to meet benchmarks, um, please teachers, worry about assessment scores. They became aware of their preferences or what path they wanted to pursue at a much younger age. I can relate to the idea of coming into myself later in life, for sure. Um, I started out thinking I was going to work the boards in, like, a TV or film production studio. Halfway through college, I realized that something I thought I hated, I deeply loved. It was the monotonous, prepackaged learning approach to history that I had hated, not the subject itself. Unschooling removes that. Right. It allows learners to find their interests, build on their knowledge, which also is going to help them build self-confidence. Studies found that um, unschoolers tended to be good at problem solving. And as a result, they're not as devastated by failure. So they're also better at critical thinking and didn't need someone to sort of tell them what to think when they got to college classes. Critical thinking is a skill that college instructors like myself see as waning in our students. These kids have been told what to study, what to think, and see with all of these standardized tests. So when the answer isn't A, B, C, or D, they don't know what to do. They're like, but what's the answer? And the idea of having to sort of create or come to these conclusions or have their own thoughts is, is kind of difficult, right? And unschooling avoids that pitfall. The other interesting fact that kept coming up was the number of entrepreneurs among the surveyed unschoolers, right? For some, pursuing their own interests led to them starting their own businesses within those areas. I think one person was like a 19-year-old who by pursuing her interest in um, like 
cake decorating, had opened a, a, a business of her own at 19. So, I mean, the, there were a lot of entrepreneurs that were showing up in those, those surveys as well, which I thought was really interesting. Early starts to college is something else that kind of came up, right? Some schools in the area where I live have these programs where in high school the kids can take dual credit courses through the community colleges. And that way when they – and they start this doing, you know, a couple every semester from freshman year all the way through senior year. So by the time they graduate – with high, from high school, they have a high school diploma, but also an associate's degree because they've got basically um, a whole bunch of stuff knocked out, uh, basically half of a, a bachelor's degree already knocked out. Um, this is a possibility that is open to unschoolers and as well in some places at your community colleges. And this kind of performs a double service in that the kids are able to get a jump start on college, which is always great, right, for people wanting to pursue that path. But it also ensures that they have less trouble with the application and acceptance process if they choose to go on to get like a bachelor's or go to graduate school or pursue a PhD, right? It kind of gives them a jump start into that as well. Starting at the community college level makes that transfer to a larger four-year school um, easier than trying to sort of quote unquote start from scratch with only having like the standard unschooled learning and then applying right um i'm not sure if that part made a whole lot of sense there um hopefully you got the point like let me try a different way when unschoolers apply for college um homeschoolers as well they don't always have transcripts Right. They don't have that high school diploma or um, like a GED or, you know, sometimes you don't have those standard things that many schools will ask for when you apply. And so if you had completed college courses during your studies, right, before you um, consider yourself sort of matriculated the way that most K-12 students would, um, then they will have those college courses to submit to, uh, you know, whatever university they apply to. So that will give them some record of academic progress that can play to their advantage. I think that probably made more sense. (laughs) But it can't all be sunshine and rainbows, right? Absolutely. And so the information kind of pointed to a few cons as well. The Gray study that I mentioned earlier found that A little over 20% of those surveyed did feel some degree of social isolation as unschoolers over their, like, uh, peers that were in a traditional school setting. However, there are a lot of unschooling groups that can help families to connect and help to counteract that particular issue, especially in this age of the interconnectedness of the internet, that barrier has become almost non-existent. You can find uh, people in your area for your kids to connect with, or if nothing else, through the internet, your kids can connect um, with, say, like video calls or whatever with other kids that are unschooled um, who are around their age. So there's still that um, ability. Now, some of the people surveyed in the Gray study 
were unschooled, you know, some of them were you know, were all, all adults, so some of them were unschooled, you know, 20 or so years ago where that wasn't quite the same availability, right? That interconnectedness wasn't as much, um, wasn't as available for them. And so that issue is really, I mean, getting to the point where it's, like I said, almost non-existent. The process of entering sort of self-directed learning, though, can prove difficult for uh, parents trying to oversee the unschooling process, right? There's Because there's no blueprint. It's self-directed, and that means it's tailored to your child. You don't have a process to follow. You don't have a model to emulate. There are no boxes to tick. And that, for me, people like me, that's... Uh, that whole trial and error process would be just terrifying, right? Um, I, I thrive with structure. That's just something I always have. So you do have to sort of meet certain markers required by your state. If you're in the U.S., there are requirements, um, depending on where you are, for homeschool programs. I've got a couple of links that will help for that as well to kind of get uh, that information for people. And that uncertainty can that can be a little off-putting for some people but that's um one of the things that was listed as a con and something that kind of goes along with that and it was another term that came up was de-schooling which is that transition period from traditional school ideas to unschooling right it's the time that families take to sort of disconnect from the ideas popularized about what education means and begin to see education more as this organic process, more as learning, more as, you know, this self-directed process. And children begin to learn and grow in their own time and sort of on their own path, right? So de-schooling was like that sort of transition period in between where you're breaking away from those molds and you're taking away those ideas and that um, that line of thinking that applies to traditional public school and moving to this more open, self-directed type of thing. Um, the other issue that uh, or the other thing that was listed as a con was like this idea that learning topics or subjects that aren't interesting um, to the learner might not be something they want to do. It's self-directed, right? Many people said they constantly heard people saying, well, if you're not interested in something and you're directing your learning, well, you're not going to learn the things you don't like, right? And you may need those things later in life. And the solution that was explained almost exactly the same way across all the different things that I read was simple. It's like unschoolers pursue their interests, yes, but they come to a realization at some point that if they want to pursue a career in certain fields, if they want to, you know, go a certain route in their life, there's some things they're going to have to learn that are less than enjoyable, right? It's a part of life that they're going to have to sit through, right? We all have to sit through tedium in life. And unschoolers learn that lesson when they have to un undertake these unpopular subjects. But they do it because they realize, okay, this is part of where I need to go. This is a hurdle. It may be an obstacle, but it's one that, you know, once I overcome this, I can get to my goal, right? I also saw a lot of people talking about the outside questions and judgments that they would get as a big con. Um, so many people harbor 
negative stereotypes about homeschooling of any type. And they assume that people who don't attend traditional schools are somehow behind or less educated than their peers. And they immediately associate homeschool with a lack of social skills or other misconceptions. And that's really more of a their problem than a your problem, right? But it is something that was pretty universal, universally issued as a warning to be prepared for and a really annoying thing that you're going to have to deal with if you go that route. Um, in some states and countries, home education laws include very specific requirements that unschoolers, like all homeschoolers, have to meet. These may include like urine testing, evaluation, portfolios, examples of work, etc. Right. And so the important thing to do here is to check for those guidelines. Um, you can look up the parameters online and see what they are for your state. Um, most of what I read about unschooling said that it was legal in all 50 states in the United States. And I know that some of my listeners are dotted across the globe. So for those of you outside of the U.S., I have a, included a link in the description that allows you to search for requirements based on your country. And I have some other links to people who are either parents who unschool, unschoolers themselves, websites that provide access to educational resources uh, for those looking to apply the unschool approach. Uh, but like I said in the beginning, there are a multitude of resources out there. You know, PDAers no doubt would benefit from an unschooled approach. I've seen people talk about sending their children to Sudbury schools, which apply sort of the unschooling approach in more of a traditional brick and mortar setting. Um, this is another option for those seeking to unschool, but one um, that has its own problems. So for those who can't be at home with their children who have to work, um, this is an, a way to sort of get towards that unschooling approach. However, the concern here is that these schools tend to be, A, few and far between, and generally have a pretty hefty tuition yearly. I looked into one near me and quickly realized it was not going to happen when the tuition was almost as much as I made in a year. Um, it's a sad notion that sometimes what's best for our kiddos is unattainable due to financial restrictions. I've thought many times about exploring the process for opening a school for PDAers and neurodivergent kids that takes that sort of democratic unschool approach that would either be like tuition free or have a lower tuition rate. Um, the problem there is, of course, the same one. I would need money to create a facility like this. And thus the same wall I was already banging my head against showed up again. So, I don't know, maybe one day I'll find some large grants for it or win the lottery. Um, until then, I hope these unschooling tips will help. Um, something that I came across basically said there's a, a few steps if you're wanting to move to exploring unschooling. First and foremost, right, check your your the requirements for where you live to see how unschooling fits and what the requirements are for you to do this. Um, research what unschooling looks like because different people have different approaches. Get an idea of what other families are using, what's worked for them, what hasn't. 
talk to your child themselves. See if that's something that they would even be interested in or if this is something else that's sort of being forced onto them, right? Because if they're not wanting to take charge of their own education, this may not be the best process for them. The other thing is decide if you want to integrate any sort of formal curricula, at least at at first, um, to see if there are any sort of outside resources that you want to follow, like, you know, maybe having one subject in online class that you take through some website or whatever. And then the last one was enjoy the idea of, of that freedom of letting your child take the role in their education um, and then sort of taking the lead. It's honestly something that, you know, I think a lot of us as PDA parents have considered, have thought about, have at least heard about. And so hopefully the links in the description will provide you kind of a baseline if it's something you're looking into. And I wish you all the best. As always, you can email me with any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or concerns at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on social media. Just search PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate on Facebook or Instagram. And until next time, remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind.